How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, they'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. With me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And uh, we are now in the throes of the post-draft season where you start to really think about it all and what it could all uh, really become, especially now that the schedule is out and, um, and certainly the draft is now a couple weeks behind us. It, it's it's all about trying to figure out what the team could be and and um, and certainly when you look at this squad you, you think to yourselves okay well if the offense scores more points like Sean McDermott has been saying all along that they need to do that you know the goal of the off season is to score more points you know easier said than done of course however uh, I think an equal part to this is for them to become the contender that they hope to be. I don't know that it's all that likely that Josh Allen has this huge uptick in production. I mean, he could get better, but you know, it's it's more likely that that if he improves, it will be slightly, not not to MVP levels. You know, you never say never, but that's probably not in the cards for him. But if they're getting into the land of contender, the entire part of them getting there will be surrounded by this defense that they've that they've built up and and what they're trying to do and how important it could become in in all of these different phases so I think where I want to lead off today is all about the defense and specifically with the individual players that have the most ahead of them in terms of what they could potentially mean to the to the team having the success that they need to become a contender. So Matthew Fairburn, I'll I'll let you lead off. I mean, this defense as a whole, what are like are we expecting more of the same? Are we expecting a a higher output from them? I mean, what is fair to expect from this team that added to a strength pretty significantly? You know, defense year to year can be tough to sustain and and build on and have that, you know, top elite defense year after year after year. I think with the league being so offense driven uh, that it, it can be a bit of a challenge. Um, there's so many variables that go into it. Your strength of schedule, uh, the strength of the offenses you're facing, and really just the with all of the the rules and the way the league is set up, it's not easy. But the Bills have, for the most part, been pretty consistent since Sean McDermott got here. They haven't been perfect. I think early on when they, they didn't have quite as much talent, you saw some of the inconsistency issues where uh, teams could really run them uh, when they want, you know, good teams could. You know, you think about the Colts in 2018, 
the Ravens. There were teams that could really put up some points on them, but a lot of that I think had to do with the offense, uh, not necessarily holding up its end of the bargain and uh, some issues that they seem to have gotten short up last year, which I think was their best defensive year since Sean McDermott arrived. Question now is, you know, I don't think they were perfect. So how do they they get better? And to me, the number one area that's been good, not great over the last three years has been the pass rush. And I think that's why a lot of people talked about the need for a an edge rusher or, you know, somebody who could could really put pressure on the quarterback. They spent their first pick on A.J. Epinesa, who should help in that area. I don't know that he's going to come in right away and and be a double-digit sack guy, but I I think he helps. uh, gives them more depth. What they've done up front is is interesting. I think has the potential to make them a better defensive line and a better front seven in 2020 than they were in 2019. They lost Shaq Lawson. They lost Jordan Phillips, but they get Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, uh, Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa, some new pieces to rotate through and sort of, you know, mix up the looks that they, they give people. So I, I think in some ways it's a collective deal up front. But the one guy I think about when I think about the pass rush taking a step forward and this defense really changing is Ed Oliver. And mm-hmm. if he is what they thought he was going to be when they picked him in the top 10. If he is a, a game-wrecking three-technique pass rusher, this would be a good time for, for him to show it, and I think it would be a great boost to this defense to have a guy like that because they have enough pieces. I don't think they have the the top-end edge rusher. I think Jerry Hughes uh, is you know, still pretty good, um, you know, not quite what he once was, but but still has plenty left in the tank. I think everybody around Ed Oliver will be better if Ed Oliver takes that next step and, and has that breakout year that some people are expecting. He, to me, is the most, has the most upside and is the most talented guy that they have on the defensive line. And if he's able to be that, that focal point for, for you know other offenses to focus on it's going to make things a lot easier for what is a very you know versatile and flexible rest of of the defensive line so i think it's ed oliver it it starts there for me because he's they have so much invested in him as a top 10 pick and he looked really good as the year went on last year had some high-end moments but uh, the consistency wasn't always there. If he puts it all together, that that's a a, a scary addition in a way uh, to to their front four. I'll tell you what, I, everything you said was right, and the the second half of his season when even though he wasn't the starter, but was still basically getting a similar amount of snaps to Jordan Phillips, so it was essentially just a one A one B situation as the year went on. He looked really good and and if there's a game that I that I think back to that go man Oliver was playing at a different level it was that Cowboys game on Thanksgiving where he was just just eating up blockers and and getting through the line and and making his presence felt 
almost every single time he was on the field when when he had uh, whether it was against the run or or as a pass rusher I mean that was that was his game uh, just as similar as it was to Josh Allen's game uh, on that Thanksgiving day but I think you're dead on Oliver is the most important member of the defense in terms of stepping up from what he was in 2019 to 2020 and it's hard not to expect more from Ed Oliver in in his second season because he's going to have the role I mean they went out and signed Vernon Butler to be the rotational piece behind Ed Oliver I would highly doubt that Vernon Butler is going to supplant Ed Oliver in the lineup especially with what they invested in him what he showed everything along those lines but Oliver has the potential to just upend everything that we came to know about the defense last year he'll he can make the run defense better because you know even though he's 40 to 50 pounds lighter than Jordan Phillips he was the superior run defender last season between the two and it wasn't particularly close I mean he up he uh withstands uh, double teams better than Phillips ever did and if it comes to a situation where he is facing the double teams because of how good he is elsewhere, then that just makes everybody uh, uh, makes everybody better, makes it easier on Jerry Hughes, makes it easier on the one technique beside him, whether it's Latulale, Jefferson, uh, Butler, or Harrison Phillips. It makes it easier on the left end, whether it's Mario Addison or AJ Epinesa. I mean, all of these different things. If he's commanding a double team, that's great for... Uh, for the defense and what they're trying to do, especially because they don't rely on blitzes. I mean, sometimes they'll bring linebackers, but usually when they bring linebackers, uh, they've got a defensive end or a defensive tackle dropping back into coverage. It's usually only four people rushing the quarterback. So the more that Ed Oliver is able to do all of that and, and be successful with it, that is what it's going to take uh, this defense to the next level. And uh, Oliver, I mean, he... If they're doing it right, and if he's doing it right, he's probably on the field 70% of the time. And fulfilling that Kawan short role that they've that they've had in mind ever since they got to Buffalo, thinking that they need a piece just like that. It's it's one of the most high-profile pieces in Sean McDermott's defense, and Oliver has all the potential to fill it with um, just just outright ability and I think he is on and and you mentioned some people are expecting a breakout season I'm one of those people with with how he showed specifically in the last um, half to quarter of the season I mean he was he was dynamite whenever he was on the field yeah I, I look at that defensive line as a group that is incredibly deep but not top heavy you know doesn't have the top end talent I'd say they have a lot of B minus to B plus players, right? Uh, you know, you even think about the addition of uh, Harrison Phillips uh, once he gets healthy, and you know, you talk about Vernon Butler, Star Latulale, and everything they have at defensive end. But the the one guy who's kind of that guy that can get into that tier of you know top end player, one of the best at his position, is Ed Oliver, and uh, I think. What that can do for everybody else uh, is is hard to understate because 
even a guy like Jerry Hughes, who, you know, the sack production hasn't been there the way he would like the last couple of years. And he'll be healthy uh, again, presumably when the season starts uh, after battling through injuries, basically all of last year. But just having a different guy to command the attention. Uh, and it's not to say that Ed Oliver is going to become Aaron Donald overnight. But when you look at what Aaron Donald does for the Rams defense, um, when you look mm-hmm. at what just having one of those players, it doesn't have to be an edge guy. Uh, and sometimes it's more dangerous if it's not because um, interior pressure can really wreck a game faster. It can wreck a play faster and it can wreck a game just as easily. So he, you know, him becoming a difference maker up front would really negate you know, this idea that they don't have that premier edge rusher because it's it's about having a pass rusher, not just an edge rusher. And mm-hmm. and I feel like Ed Oliver has more potential as a pass rusher than anybody else on that defensive line. And he's doing it from um, arguably the most important spot on the defensive line in Sean McDermott's defense. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of his stats from, from last year, I mean, he was one of the best in the league already for defensive tackles at winning one-on-one battles. And he was one of the most heavily double-teamed defensive tackles in the league already as a rookie, which goes to show how much attention that teams are already showing him, even though he wasn't playing a ton of snaps on the field. I mean, this is this is a high-end potential guy. I mean, I went back and just looked at uh, an old, I think it was a an old 2018 way too early mock draft and Oliver was like number one or number two in in most places and he winds up going ninth overall but the type of talent that he has it's kind of a it's kind of a shock that he didn't go higher than than what he did and I think the Bills got a steal in him when when they were able to draft him he's already starting to show that ability I mean he has the mentality to be great um, that uh, that they look for, that they're trying to that they're trying to establish within their locker room. I mean, all of these different things. It all leads into the same thinking that if this defense is going to become, dare I say, elite, then Ed Oliver is the one running through the tunnel with the flag in his hand saying all right we're an elite defense now and and uh and there's not much you can do to to wreck us and you brought up Aaron Donald which is which is a a good thing to bring up and not a good thing to bring up all at once because the body types are similar to where okay they they have the natural comparisons there i i would th- i think it's unfair to Ed Oliver to even mention him in in Aaron Donald's i mean air just because you know he's just he's he's not there in his career and I think Aaron Donald is just kind of a freak athlete for his size and Ed Oliver has those types of things to him as well but I think the the way that Oliver is um is similar or can have a similar impact on what the Bills are trying to do I mean the Rams edge rushers the past few years They've not really been huge names. I mean, Dante Fowler just got paid by the Atlanta Falcons, and he had a great season for the Rams. But a lot of attention that he didn't have on him went to Aaron Donald wrecking game plans up the middle. And that's that's the type of game that the Bills 
would like to play because you you pointed out perfectly the the speed to getting to the quarterback from the interior is a lot qu- is a lot quicker than from the edge a lot of times and you usually have slower players that are trying to block up the middle shorter armed players that are trying to do so that can that can lose contain of of their blocker in one-on-one situations i mean there's there's a lot of potential on the inside there and that's why it's it's so important so while uh, i mean the the donald thing is 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 perfect because they run their entire defense through that guy and i think the bills would like to do similar things if oliver hits in the way that they hope he does yeah and i think you know it's important to remember about ed oliver that from a, a technique standpoint and from a and we bring up the consistency he was switching from a nose tackle position in houston's defense in college to Mm -hmm. the three technique spot which was a more natural fit for him but he still had to learn to play a little more within himself and and play um you know some different techniques and understand that i think it took him a little while to understand that it wasn't all him and that he fit into a bigger picture on the defensive line because at houston he was everything and uh, you know i think it took him probably a few months to start to learn that and start to learn what, you know, that he was going to be better for it. But that technique and, and the, the consistency, you know, it's very much needed. Uh, I think that's the, the difference you talk about between, um, it, you know, the gap that's there that exists between where Aaron Donald is and, and where Ed Oliver is, is substantial. Uh, you know, they, mm-hmm. they play the same position, they look the same, and the that's the ideal that you shoot for. But Aaron Donald had 52 pressures last year, third most in the league. Ed Oliver had 12. So, you know, he Ed Oliver was, he ran too hot and cold last year. And he was a rookie. I think that's to be expected for all the reasons that we mentioned. But... He doesn't have to necessarily be a 52 pressure kind of guy. That'd be a great development for the Bills, but sure would. You know, you know, that'd be an additional 40 pressures would that alone would would make them a much different looking defense. But even just closing that gap and and being in the backfield more consistently, uh, I think would be a pretty big deal uh, for them. I mean, they. They were an okay pass rushing team last year, but it was more a, a collective than anything. I think they were 12th in the league um, in adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders, but they didn't have any one individual really uh, that that scared you necessarily. And I think part of that is because Jerry Hughes was playing hurt. Uh, Shaq Lawson led the team in pressures last year with 28 um, and he's gone. So they've got some production to replace. And I think the you're not going to expect, you'll expect a bump from Jerry Hughes if he's healthy, but I don't think you're expecting he and Mario Addison to transform into, uh, you know, different players at, at their age. You know, they are what they are. Yeah. Uh, you kind of know their, their ceiling a little bit. And Mario Addison is, is a nice addition here as well because, you know, he, he had 20-something uh, pressures last year. So he, he's in that, you know, Shaq Lawson range and should be able to to replace some of that production. But the guy that you, you're looking at that has the biggest, you know, gap between where he is and where he could be is Ed Oliver. And 
They've mm-hmm. added pieces on defense, but none of them will be as important as, you know, Oliver at his full potential. Yeah. Uh, Addison is not a speed guy either, which makes his the amount of pressures that he had, e- even in his 30s, uh, that much more impressive to where they'll probably expect similar things. And my guess is if we're thinking about where all these guys are going to line up, Addison will probably be at left end. Jerry Hughes will be at right end. And then you've got Latulale as your run stuffing one technique and then a, uh, a host of other players that will come in to uh, be more athletic, uh, pass defending uh, and pass rushing defensive tackles like Jefferson, Butler, Harrison Phillips, all of these different things. Even Epinesa, I'm sure we'll, we'll get some run as the season kind of goes on there. So uh, there, there's, a, there's quite a bit of potential there for that. So the defensive line is going to look a lot different. Trent Murphy is probably, unless he has one heck of a summer or somebody gets hurt in front of him, is probably not going to be around um, in, in 2020. It's just there's just too many spots needed elsewhere on the roster. So he's completely out and he was a full time starter last year and not really all that productive of a pass rushing starter. So that's going to be an upgrade in itself. But uh, how will this whole thing come together? It's all to be determined by that guy we've been talking about, number 91 at Oliver, because he is the most important piece, at least in terms of the pass rush, to what they're doing um, in 2020. And I wanted to get to another player, but before we do that, first we have a couple of sponsors for today's episode. First is from Feeding America. More than 37 million people in the U.S., including 11 million children, struggle with hunger. And as the COVID-19 outbreak continues, they need your help now more than ever. As the nation's largest hunger relief organization, the Feeding America network of food banks is committed to serving communities, families, and children facing hunger in America, wherever they are. You can be there for your neighbors in need by donating now at feedingamerica.org coronavirus. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. And secondly, a message from Hydrant. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. And Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com football. That's drinkhydrant.com football for 25% off off your first order drinkhydrant.com slash football all right now another facet to this defense that i think will be quite important to their future and and what they could become because we've been we were talking about consistency within the pass rush and and that's definitely important and and certainly they'll figure out some different ways to do things on on passing downs especially without lorenzo alexander now though i think the one area that they could they could strive to be more consistent, which they've definitely improved upon over the past couple of seasons, is in their run defense. And 
I think we we all we all look back to a few games that that kind of stick out to where the run defense cost them a little bit. Um, Philadelphia is probably the shining example where the Miles Sanders run just completely tore them in half in the in the second half, and then they couldn't really get their bearings past that point. Um, the Cleveland game is another one where Nick Chubb just looked unstoppable at times, and it led to the Bills losing that game as well. Uh, so there are moments within the season that that they needed to be better. So I think if they, they've already seen such tremendous growth within Tremaine Edmonds from what they got him as, as a uh, 19-year-old outside linebacker, never played middle linebacker before um, starting <laughs> every single snap uh, in his rookie season to what he is now, which is a really good coverage defender and a nuisance in uh, in zone coverage for quarterbacks to try and throw over. Also a, a pretty good blitzer, though he's still an average to slightly above average run defender. And that's where he needs to improve in his third season, specifically in getting off blocks, because you don't think that a guy who's that big, that long, that strong will would struggle with getting off blocks. But there are some times throughout the season where Tremaine Edmonds simply um, accepts the block as opposed to tries to fight his way off of it. He doesn't use his hands well enough as he should. And maybe that's the area of development that they need to work with him the most to try and disengage from blocks and to shed all those blocks because there's a lot of times where he is the linebacker that's supposed to put up the resistance, though he just he he isn't he's unable to get off that block and the run goes for a bit longer than they needed to, and then the drive continues on because they, they gained additional yardage on that run, and it's it's a kind of a trickle-down effect. So if the Bills, I mean, Ed Oliver is vitally important and can help in this area as well because he will take on more snaps this year and is a better run defender than Jordan Phillips. However, if Tremaine Edmonds improves as a run defender, he could become that all-around middle linebacker that they've been that they've hoped he could become and really help take this defense to another level in terms of uh, defending at what was at times a bugaboo for them last season. I think with Tremaine Edmonds, to me, there's, there's still a, like with Oliver, a a gap between where he is and where he could be. And perhaps a gap between where he is and where a lot of people think he is. I know he made it to the pro bowl, um, but I don't know that that's, you know, necessarily a, a blanket way to measure a player. He's a good player and he's been good considering how young he had to get on the field and, uh, you know, the type of role that he was put in early, but I, I, you'd like to see more splash plays from him. And some of that comes with, with run defense and, and, you know, blowing up runs before they start. Um, you know, they don't do a ton of blitzing, like you said, but he just, he also just missed a, a few interceptions here and there. So mm-hmm. some of the, and you could probably say this about the whole defense, those splash plays are what's, you know, 
going to take them from being where they were last year, which was a really good, um, one of the best defenses in the league, take them up a notch. Um, that they, they stole some games last year with some big plays, um, but it, it feels like there was more on the bone uh, a little bit because because of some they left out there. And I think Tremaine Edmonds has the potential to be a game breaker. Uh, he has all of the the movement skills, um, you know, and the the athleticism that you need to be a difference maker at that position, and he's so close to being there. And I think he's mm-hmm. trending in the right direction and has been since he got on the field. Um, he's just not quite there yet. And you would expect year three should be that year. Uh, you know, he should be able to 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 take his game to another level. Uh, just like Ed Oliver should be able to do the same. They they have a lot of players in that, you know, sort of crucial spot of their development where they're going to go, you know, one way or the other. You're either going to become, uh, you know, that high end, you know, player that you know one of the best middle linebackers in the league, um, or you're not. You know, if you're not that by the end of year three, um, then that's probably not who you are, right? You're not going to. Um, overnight in year four or five necessarily take that step some guys do mm-hmm. but uh, i think this is a a big year to watch Edmonds and see just how high he can take his game i think even if he stays at, at where he is he's a pretty good player uh, yeah but it just feels like there's so much more there uh and maybe that means using him a little differently uh maybe it means blitzing him a little bit more often and finding different ways to to get him involved but i i think i think he's He's due uh, to, to make some more plays and to be a, a bigger part uh, of what they do in terms of, like I said, creating some of those splash plays. Yeah, I, I think he was he was knocking on the door on turnovers all last year, and, and you just felt like it, it was eventually going to break for him. And I think, uh, I think he'll continue to do similar things in 2020. I, I even think I undersold him in my initial uh, – my initial thoughts on him. I, I think he is a, a great coverage linebacker. I don't, I don't think uh, he's necessarily all the way there in terms of a run defender for all the reasons that I pointed out. But I mean, he is an, an outright asset in, in pass coverage with his length and how he's able to move around and, and flip his hips and, and run with the run with uh, receivers when he needs to, when they get to his area and he sniffs something out. He's got really good instincts in, in pass coverage in his own. Uh, the long arms, of course, disrupts throws when they're trying to throw it over to the deep middle, uh, and they just flat out avoid it because of how tall and long he is. I mean, th- these are all signs of a, a really, really good pass coverage defender. But the biggest thing with him is, is he going to be able to get off blocks more consistently? That's what is separating him because the the instincts are there. The recognition is all there. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the blitz point because I, th- I do think they're going to blitz him more frequently this year, especially without Lorenzo Alexander. Um, on on the roster, it frees them up almost to uh, blitz him and maybe drop somebody else back into coverage uh, because Lorenzo Alexander wasn't particularly great dropping back last season. So that will free them up in that capacity. But the key for Edmonds to becoming this dominant player is in getting off blocks. And I don't know if that's if that can be learned. People that teach defense say that it can be but and he's definitely gotten better at it 
but can it become a strength? And will it no longer be a weakness? It doesn't even have to be a strength. Will it no longer be a weakness to where he's just, he's he's average at it or slightly above average? If that happens, then, I mean, everything is there for the taking. He, he'll never be the Luke Keekley guy, but what he can be is a really darn good linebacker that will be in Buffalo for a long time if, uh, if, if he irons out that aspect to his game so he him and Oliver are one and two and I don't know that the next one is particularly close because because of how much they could mean to the uh, to the advancement of this defense to the point in which they become an outright contender because of it and don't require you know 30 points a game from uh from their offense to get the job done just like it was last year but an even more complete unit I think all of these different things are going into it but though I will say the the one position that gets a ton of run with the fans and I think both you and I believed that uh, it wasn't as high of a priority to the Bills front office and coaching staff than maybe some of the fan base thought it was which is that that second cornerback spot I mean, Tredavious White is obviously a strength in the secondary. Same thing with Micah Hyde. Same thing with Jordan Poyer. I mean, these are these are all A-plus starters for them. But that Josh Norman, Levi Wallace void that, uh, that um, some are a little nervous about uh, is still there and will be there. And despite Josh Norman proclaiming that he's going to return to all world at the age of 32 or 33, however the heck old he is, um, it's, it's going to be, have to be a prove it situation though, though, if, if he does play at an average level, a slightly above average level, then the bills are looking in great shape at that spot. Plus they still have Levi Wallace who gives them a, a baseline starter. If, if things go, uh, don't go well with, uh, with Josh Norman. So that, those are pro- that would probably round out the three for me with being Oliver as a clear number one, Edmonds as a clear number two, and then way down the list, Norman slash Wallace at three. How about you? Yeah, I think the other spot is nickel, and that's a combination yeah. of Taron Johnson and Saran Neal, both of whom have been fine in spots. I would say Taron Johnson has been better, but the injuries are starting to become so common that you wonder how much the bills can rely on him. And Mm -hmm. Saran Neal has had to learn uh, that position and it's had its moments, but I I would say it's, it's definitely been um, a work in progress to say the least. So this secondary can be a lot better depending on the play that they get out of those two spots. You know, you're talking about outside corner with Norman and Wallace. And I think, um, the, the inside corner spot, um, depending on the package and, and, and whatnot between Neil and Taron Johnson, because they didn't do much of anything really to upgrade there. So they have, you know, some guys, some undrafted guys that, that could factor into the mix. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, EJ Gaines can move back and forth, but, you know, you're you're counting on the guys that, you know, it's easy when new guys are drafted or, or signed or, you know, new undrafted guys come in to, to think about those guys and what, what they could develop into. 
a couple of years ago, that was Taron Johnson and Saran Neal, right? They were supposed to develop into, you know, the guys that could could fill that role. And now they're a few years in, mid-round picks, both of them. This should be the time where you know one way or the other. It's it, They're getting to that point with a lot of guys on the roster because they're getting to that point in the rebuild where you're saying this thing is – uh, mostly built at this point. This is their roster with a, a lot of guys that, you know, people always like to talk about, you know, how few uh, Doug Whaley picks are on the roster and, and all that. Well, the reason for that is, you know, you they brought in so many of their own guys, draft picks, undrafted guys, free, agents, free agent guys. Now the roster is good enough where, you start to make some tough decisions about guys uh, a few years into their career and try to decide mm-hmm. what they are. And they're at that point with a lot of guys They're, you know, to a certain extent with the high end guys like Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. But I think to a more pressing, um, you know, a, a more pressing nature with guys that uh, like Taron Johnson and Saran Neal, who, if they're, they're not cut out for it, they won't be long for here type of thing. So uh, I think you have a little more patience with your, your top draft picks, but the middle round guys, uh, they're at a point where they're ready to win now and they need mm-hmm. that spot to, you know, nickel corner is basically a starter in the NFL. And uh, I think the, the production there was hit and miss mostly because of injuries and, and inconsistent play. I think both of those guys have talent. I think Taron Johnson's a, a pretty solid player when he's healthy. Uh, it's just a matter of of staying on the field. Yeah, and as you pointed out, that's been an issue for him. Um, and that actually uh, that that kind of sparks uh, kind of a connection because when I, I mean just as a, a sneak peek into what's coming up over at uh, at the athletic, um, I just filed a piece about the biggest Bills remaining needs. And, and what they could still look to add in the months leading up to the 2020 season with some names to monitor out there. And one of the spots I brought up was Big Nickel. And one name that I think is incredibly intriguing just because of his situation, where he is right now, and uh, what he could be within the Bills um, he he could he could definitely fit into the big nickel role if they need him to, though he's not a a prototypical fit and doesn't have the the height um, or the length that they usually look for uh, in in that position. But what he also could do is factor into the regular nickel position. And the player I'm talking about is. Um, LA Chargers former All-Pro nickel Desmond King, who's entering the fourth year of his rookie deal. So, and and the Chargers have a complete logjam in their secondary. They just drafted um, a defensive back in the second round in 2019 in Nasir Adderley that they're trying to get on the field a little bit. And King seems like a pretty obvious trade candidate, and especially with only one year left on his deal. They could potentially um, get someone like that for a fifth or a sixth round pick, you would think. 
And I, I think that would be a worthwhile addition to the roster because when when you look at the quarterback position that, that the Bills currently have going on, I mean, Josh Norman, Tredavious White, and uh, Levi Wallace are all effectively locks for the team. Taron Johnson as well. So that's, that's four right there. Um, some people would count EJ Gaines as a lock, though I wouldn't because the contract he signed is, I, th- I think his signing bonus was something like, $25,000 and they could save basically the entire the entirety of the uh of the base um the base salary by cutting him before the season and he's going to have to earn it and show that he's able to stay healthy. It would be nice, but it's not necessarily a guarantee. Adding someone like King gives them another option or maybe a more preferable option at big nickel because he's really good at blitzing and, and exploding at the quarterback and tackling all of these different things that they look for in that position can also give you the reps you need at nickel corner because they, what's, what's their backup plan right now? Saran Neal or EJ Gaines. That doesn't seem too terribly promising or Dean Marlowe, I suppose. Um, he's just, he's someone that I, I really got my eye on with the bills. And um, if, if they deem it to be, of value to them, or maybe if they can get them at a, at a relatively great cost, it not only does it help them in 2020, um, if they fancy themselves getting into the comp pick conversation in, uh, in the 2021 off season, then Desmond King would count towards that as well, because he would be a, a, an unrestricted free agent coming out of the, uh, coming out of 2020. So all of these different factors lead me to believe like, okay, if they're going for it, they could use another piece at nickel, somebody who's pretty good at blitzing off off the edge that uh, at, from that nickel spot. I think Desmond King would, would be a, a pretty fair fit for what they're looking for here. Yeah, they left, you know, some spots open on the roster and some room under the salary cap to make some moves if they they want to. And I think... There's going to be the opportunity to do that. I don't know what the timing is going to look like, uh, you know, based on how the offseason goes. But I would would expect that their work on this roster is not yet finished. Uh, I don't think they have, um, you know, they could go into the season with this roster and be fine. But just knowing them and their patterns and and the way they've done things, they'll add somebody, um, you know, and and probably a few players between Mm -hmm. now and the start of the season. It's just a matter of knowing when, you know, what it'll look like uh, in terms of when they can get back on the field, when they can get back in the building. Difficult to fully evaluate where your roster's at when you haven't had a chance to get guys on the field, uh, haven't had a chance to have, have guys in your building. This is a, a time of year when you can really get an idea a little bit better about your team. They're not able to do that right now, but eventually they will. And um, there's still plenty of players out there, plenty of movement still to happen. Um, especially considering, you know, not just guys that are on rosters that they could trade for, but guys that maybe hung around because of, um, you know, physical issues that, that you'd, you'd want to get checked out before you would sign a guy. So there's mm-hmm. still time for, for them to, to do some things. And, you know, there's still, I think, you know, players to be found out there there's inefficiencies to be exploited and knowing them and and knowing the way they plan i I would think that they're they're gonna make some moves 
uh, minor moves that may seem insignificant, right. but but plug some holes that they view as important. Absolutely. Veterans, low-cost veterans that could round out the roster, all of those things. Or, you know, trading a late-round pick for a guy that could potentially become a role player for you. I think that all of those should very much be on the table. And uh, be sure to be on the lookout for that piece with uh, which has from me which has the uh, the biggest remaining needs on the for the Bills roster coming up and some names that could fit uh, into those spots that uh, that they could look to add that'll be over at the Athletic of course uh, our own Matthew Fairburn just posted a piece on Jake Fromm which is a deep dive into what the Bills are getting in their new fifth round and potentially uh, competing to be the backup quarterback and from uh so so give that a read when you can and of course uh be sure to read all the offseason stuff that that we've got coming up we've got a lot of fun roster related and uh, and deeper dive stuff uh, along the way so matthew fairburn i i do have one question for you will you be watching the bundesliga this weekend it starts on saturday i'm considering it yes I'm not much of a not much of a soccer guy but i really haven't had you know we haven't had any live sports and um i feel like it's on fs1 right so i might yes well. it's on it's on it's on fox um i splurged for the fox soccer match pass so if there's a particular team you want to watch just let me know i'll i'll, I'll give i'll give you my uh my password but uh but yes i'm assuming it, they're gonna put bayern munich on the the main channel because they're well, like the draw dep- right it depends on the matchup. I, are you looking for like a rooting interest, or do you just want do you just want to watch some live sports? What, what doubt, do you want out of this? I doubt I'm gonna. From what I from my small amount of research I did, it sounds somewhat futile to have a rooting interest because of how dominant Bayern Munich is. But yes, they've won the last eight, which is not ideal if if you're someone if you're someone else. But unless you want to just jump on that bandwagon, then right, it's great. Exactly exactly uh they've got like basically the most money in europe or one one of the teams with the most money in europe psg's up there uh real madrid's up there obviously barcelona all, all man city all all of that but um if if you're looking for kind of like a a buffalo connection here uh dortmund who is currently in second and has really fire kits if we're talking here yellow and black super unique not a lot of people not a lot of teams in europe have this combination i think uh wolverhampton in the premier league is the only only one of significance that has that yellow black um kind of formation dortmund is actually a registered sister city to buffalo and they are known for their steel and beer it's been a relationship for 40 years um the the semi-pro team um, in Buffalo, FC Buffalo, actually traveled to Dortmund to have a friendly with uh, with that squad, and they've got a lot of good young players, everything like that. So if if you're looking for that sort of connection to to Buffalo and you're trying to get into the the Bundesliga, then uh, Dortmund's a pretty fun one to do, and they also score a ton of goals. So if you don't want to be bored watching soccer or if you find soccer boring their brand is very very conducive to getting into soccer so i'll I'll just throw that out there in case in case you want to go dortmund they're pretty fun it's possible the, the reason i 
I guess it depends how long we go without other leagues starting. If this becomes the league that is, you know, the only one for a month plus, then perhaps a a rooting interest will will be in order. I am, I will have a much, um, a much larger viewing interest in uh, golf coming back on Sunday. Ah, yes, uh, yes. With Matthew Wolf and and Ricky Fowler going up against Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson. Uh, I think that's going to be. I think I might be looking forward to that more than the the Peyton um, Tiger versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson because uh, these yeah. other guys, it's four guys who are good at golf instead of um, one and a <laughs> half essentially uh, with Tiger <laughs> and Phil with, with what's left of Tiger. But um, sounds like golf might come back in June or they're planning right. to. So um, between some. Some German soccer and some golf. We will we will get through. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. All right, Matthew Fairburn, thanks so much for your time, and uh, of course, thank you to everyone for listening to us here on the Athletic Podcast Network, or however you are choosing to do so on any one of the free avenues. Of course, if if you can, please head over to the Athletic. And subscribe to uh, to uh, get all of our articles, everything like that. You can head over to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. All right, that's going to do it for us. We will speak to you next week and, and uh, further discuss what is to come for the Buffalo Bills in the 2020 season. See you then.